We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Uh, We're in a series looking at the book of Ezra. Ezra is a chosen vessel of God in a special way used by the Lord and uh, Nehemiah to follow, Lord willing. I just want to say to you, if you haven't uh, been getting our emails for the evening service, I want to ask you to take out a pen right now. Pull out a piece of paper, write your email and your name down where we can read it. And Jordan, that did the announcements here tonight, would you please give that to him and we can share that so you can get all the, uh, the emails for the evening service. We're very grateful that you're here and, and uh, pray everybody has a great summer. Heard about a lot of trips going on clear across the world. And so I pray everybody has a good time, a good vacations and a safe time. In the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, in this, uh, in this series, Corey was so good to set up uh, this book, and he talked about God's faithfulness to his people in spite of their unfaithfulness. Uh, was Israel ever known to not do what God asked him to do? Just almost all the time. Uh, is America ever known to not do what God asked us to do? You know, a lot of the time. What about you and I? Have many times we failed also? Uh, God's asked us to do something, teach us to do something, and, and we haven't done it. And so God is dealing with his people. But one of the great things as we look at uh, return, because the people have been exiled, God said, if you do these things, I will cast you out of the land. I'll let an enemy come, take you out of the land, and you'll be out of the, the land for a certain number of years. But God is so faithful because even as he did that, he exiled his people because of their disobedience. He automatically began a, a, a promise of their return to the land. And that's the way God is. Clear back in Genesis 3.15, Adam and Eve messed up. They failed. They sinned against God. But we don't get past the third chapter of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, where God says, but there's going to be one, a seed of woman that's going to come. And he's going to crush that serpent's head and he's going to win the victory. Is that not an amazing God that we serve? That is the, the, the great parent that loves us so much. He doesn't change the truth, right and wrong, still right and wrong, but instantly he works to bring us back. And the three words that will show up throughout this series are return, rebuild, and restore, as the video just said. God is faithful. He is going to return his people to the land. He is faithful. He is going to rebuild their land and the nation of Israel. And he is faithful. He's going to restore their relationship. Corey very well taught in the beginning of this series that it's not because Israel decided to repent. They haven't. It's not because they turned around and said, our, our bad, we want to do what's right. And to have great revival in the land, they haven't. It is because of God and his own name. And we need to re realize that too. God works on our behalf in spite of us. I was, I was in the pulpit. Please don't do this. I was in the pulpit at 16. Why did they let me do that? I don't know. I was again in the pulpit at 18. I was, I was holding Sunday night services at 19 and became a pastor at 19. Why did they let me do that? You know what I'm thankful for? It was before VCRs. And cell phones, because a lot of those things are not recorded or videoed, and I'm glad I would I'd be on a search to restore to uh, destroy many of those things right now. 
But you know what? God was faithful and just, he, he knew that this, this young, young boy had a heart that just wanted to be used by him. God blesses in spite of us. He doesn't say, okay, now you've done all I ask you to do. You've gotten ready. You prepared yourself. You have arrived. Now I can use you. He, uh, he, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so I'm thankful he is a gracious and merciful God. And Israel had messed up. Their kings were unfaithful. The people were corrupt. They had broken down the house of God. They didn't, they didn't uh, worship him the way they should. They didn't live the way they should. Their families weren't the way they should. The men of Israel weren't the leaders. God let an enemy come and even tear down um, the, the buildings of God and, and steal their vessels and take them away. I want to talk to you tonight in this, this passage about when it looks like the wicked prosper, when it looks like the bad guys win. You ever been in those circumstances? I have. When you've done what you believe is right and you've obeyed the Lord and you've sought his will, and it looks like the person who has no regard for God does not follow his will, does not even want to acknowledge the truth or what is right, and it looks like everything works out for them. Well, please hold on to the end tonight because we're in that section now in Israel that God's going to let it looks like the bad guys win. Now, I grew up and all of our, all of our movies almost had uh, moral themes in them. I grew up where the, the good guys, the good cowboys wore white hats and at the end of the show, at the end of the movie, the good guys always win. Is it that way still? It's not, is it? Uh, if you want a great, I've said this before, but if you want a great old-time show to watch, go and you can watch it online. You can watch The Guns of Will Sonnet. Um, Walter Brennan was one of my favorite actors, if you remember him. Now, young people, don't worry about it if you've never heard of him. I'm telling you, this is a long time ago. But in every one of those old Western episodes... The, the story ends, always a good moral, great storylines. The story ends, there's a granddad and a grandson looking for the dad and the son of the granddad. They're on their horses and there's a prayer always given to God at the end, talking to God. And it is awesome. It is wonderful. Uh, you come back and tell me if you watch one of those, if you're not blessed by that. The good guys always won. But in reality, the good guys don't always win all the time. Now hold on, because remember, return, rebuild, and restore. In this section, if you look with me there, that was read to us out of Ezra chapter 4, beginning about verse 6, uh, now in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, that, that is a, a, one of the kings, if you, you, you study further in the scripture, that is Xerxes. Isn't that a cool name? Starts with an X, but we kind of say it with a Z, don't we? Xerxes. And then later on in this passage, they're going to be talking about Artaxerxes, two different kings. In this passage, in the book of Ezra, it kind of jumps around a little bit. Uh, you know some of those movies that start... And you see something happening and, and the people, the, the heroes are in a really tough shape. And then it goes back and says, 12 hours earlier. 
and you go find out how they got there. Well, that's kind of like the book of Ezra because it's going to talk about a, a certain period of time and then it's going to talk about another period of time bringing the whole thing together. But I want you to think about perhaps in your life, you're, you're already thinking of something. Think about when it appears like the bad guys win. There's going to be a reference to three letters in this passage. Uh, letters can be um, very encouraging. I've got a drawer full in my office. I was just thinking before I got, came to church tonight, I need to empty that drawer, but I don't want to. You know why? Because it's letters from people that have written to me and they've told me about what Jesus is doing in their life. It's cards and things where people have written me notes and I've kept those for about 40 years. I have little children's notes that they drew in the services and, and they gave to me, not just my children, but other children of the church. And I've, I've kept those things for over 40 years. A letter can be inspiring, can be encouraging. But a letter also can be one of those kind you just hate to open up. Now, I'm not talking about your electric bill. That's one. This Right, right now, we hate that. Or have you, have you noticed the gasoline prices? <clears throat> I was so intelligent before the prices went up, I went and bought a diesel pickup. Wasn't that smart? I've never, they're going to have to have new pumps pretty soon. They're going to have other digits and more commas, I think. Some letters are encouraging, some can be not so encouraging. And we're going to see here tonight, three different letters that are written. This is going to talk about mainly about one of them. And it is going to be an accusation against God's people. The people of the land, verse 4, discouraged the people of Judah and frightened them from building. Hired counselors against them to frustrate their counsel all the days of the king of Persia, Cyrus, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. There are going to be three different things that you see in this letter, and really, basically, that's what this passage is, is a letter. The first thing that they're going to try to do to Israel and the people of God is discredit them. If someone has a message that someone else doesn't like, one of the first things they want to try to do is discredit them. Well, you know that person is not living right. You know that person doesn't tell the truth all the time. You know that person is not a moral, upstanding person. They try to discredit the person so that they can discount the message. Did that make sense? They tried to discredit Paul, the book of Galatians. He had to fight against people that called themselves apostles. apostles. They weren't called by God at all. And so he didn't defend himself only. He defended the gospel, but he stood up for himself as an apostle from God. And they tried to discredit Paul. You're not one of them. You weren't with Jesus the whole book of Galatians is trying to do that. Beware, because the, the world's trying to do that today. They try to discredit Christians because they're trying to discount the message. I like to tell people, well, you're going to find fault in me. If you're around me very much, you're going to see me mess up. When I hire someone for my office, one of the first things I tell them is you're going to see me when I'm having good days but you're also going to see me sometime when I'm not having a good day. So get ready for that day also. I like to tell people, 
Even though I'm the messenger oftentimes to share God's word, you're going to see me mess up, but he doesn't. God's word's true. It's always, he's always faithful. So they're going to try to discredit. The second thing they're going to try to do is discourage. Discourage. Uh, have you watched a little child before that has a good idea they think and they want to do something and a parent or someone else just, just rip them apart and tear them down and that little child gets so discouraged? Happens to us sometimes too, doesn't it? The very ones you may be praying about to serve and to minister to, they could be having a bad day. They could say something they shouldn't, just like any of us can, and you get discouraged. Well, that's what they're going to try to do with this letter. And then thirdly, sin doesn't stay dormant. It grows, and they're going to threaten. They're going to threaten. Unfortunately, we see in that in our country right now. They have tried to discredit the Bible. Uh, if you stand up in a college classroom right now and you mention Jesus' name or the scriptures, I had a friend, I told you, wrote ABC because of a terrible show they put on in prime time. And he just wrote, I can't believe that you would put that where children can watch it or anybody can watch it. And ABC wrote back to him. He's got the letter at his house and said, I can't believe a ABC said this. You would pay attention to a 2,000-year-old antiquated book. Try to discredit God's Bible. I would hate to have that on my conscience. How about you? Uh, I pray that they've come to know Jesus and one day we could hear him get another letter. But they try to discredit, they try to discourage, and they try, eventually, they, they threaten to try to stop the word of God. Verse 7, and in the days of Artaxerxes, um, Jordan, I was going to get him to read all these names, but uh, he ran out on me. No, I told him, don't worry about all these names. There's no way. I'm going to give you the Texas pronunciation, okay? In the days of Artaxerxes, Bishlam, Mithridath, Tabil, and the rest of his colleagues wrote to Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And the text of the letter was written in Aramaic and translated from Aramaic. Just like other times in history, there was a popular uh, language. And Aramaic was the, the language of, of uh, business. It was the common language. The New Testament is written in... New Testament Greek. Uh, Greek, uh, there's other forms of Greek that are used in different times, but uh, often and throughout ch uh, church history and throughout uh, all of world history, a language has become popular. Right now, English is spoken all the way around the world. I had a couple in the church that I pastored before came from Nigeria. They came to visit. Um, I was so glad to see them. I welcomed them. I went up to them and I spoke to them real slowly because I thought they might not understand me. And when they spoke back to me, they spoke in perfect British English. They spoke a lot better than I did. <laughs> and I felt so stupid. And I told them, you know, and they just smiled. They were gracious, loving people and they're friends of mine today. English is spoken all around the world. They told me they were taught English from the beginning of their school. And uh, I said, I bet I really sound funny to you then. It was written in Aramaic. And the text of the letter had to be translated for the king. Rahum the commander, Shimshai the scribe, wrote a letter against Jerusalem. Now, the whole intent of this letter is to cause harm. There's nothing good about it. It wasn't, oh, by the way, do you know about those Jews down there? It was an intentional uh, 
slap against God's people and against God himself. He wrote a letter against Jerusalem to King Artaxerxes as follows. Then wrote Rahum the commander and Shimshai the scribe, the rest of their colleagues, the judges, the lesser governors, the officials, the secretaries, the men of Eric, the Babylonians, the men of Susa. Susa is going to show up later. That's the palace, Shushan. You'll hear about it in Nehemiah, uh, but that's an important place. That is the Elamites and the rest of the nations. What was he doing there? He was saying that it's not just me that has this opinion that I'm about to give you in this letter. All these other officials, all these other important people, they have signed the letter too. They are with me on this. Isn't that human nature? We try to gather up someone to be on our side. Petitions. Have you been asked to sign a petition lately? Uh, you know, some petitions are great. I don't mind putting my name on that. Some of them, I have no idea where my name is going to go when they ask me to sign that. Well, here, he put all of these people. They're in unity speaking against God's people. And isn't it sad? I mean, women, we didn't grow up, if you're, if you're a little bit older, uh, the young people, you, you haven't known that, but we didn't grow up in a country that spoke easily against God and his church and against Jesus and the Bible. We just didn't. There was a reverence or at least a respect to not fight against it. You could always find some that did. But that's the beginning of the letter. In the rest of the region, it says, in the rest of the nations with the great and honorable O-Snapper, that's a good name, isn't it? O-Snapper, deported and settled in the city of Samaria. You remember what happened there? Some of the enemies of God drove the Jews out of the land of Israel in the, the, the area of Samaria, left a few of them there, took them to another place, and transplanted them. And what happened is you got people who are half Jews that married people from another country. They married, and a new race was formed, the Samaritans. And as often is in history people who are half of one breed and half of one race don't get along with a lot of people because they're not, not, not accepted by many. And that's the Samaritans. You remember, the Jews would go around Samaria. They didn't have any dealings with them. That's why when Jesus walked through Samaria, he just turned the world upside down. When he talked to that Samaritan woman at the well, always remember, Jesus is the one that elevated women he always lifted them up to a great position that you deserve to be in. God created you to be in. It's the world and mankind that tries to pull us down. But it said, all those people that settled in the city of Samaria and in the rest of the region beyond the river, now this is the copy of the letter which they sent to him. Has anybody recently gotten a letter you just couldn't wait to get? It's kind of exciting to wait on something. You go check the mailbox and didn't come that day. You go check the mailbox. You may track it to see where it's coming. It's fun when you know good news is coming. But how many of you have been dready? You know, uh, uh, present company accepted, uh, uh, Steve, but when the IRS is on the top of the, book, of the, the letter, I'm not real excited. He works the there. I'm not real excited to go get that letter out of the mailbox for some reason. They've never uh, written me a letter that said, it's your birthday. We just wanted to send you a happy birthday. 
But guys, this was a letter against God. Not like any of these others I've mentioned. It's to harm God's people. It's to stand against God. It's to stand against the word of God. Here's the letter. To King Artaxerxes, your servants, the men in the region beyond the river, and now let it be known to the king that the Jews, and I'll guarantee you they meant that the way they wrote it, the Jews. I got to go to Israel in 2011. And if any of you have ever been there, perhaps you've been to the Dallas Holocaust Museum, uh, you better be prepared to visit that. It is, there are atrocities there. You see things that men, men did to other men that are beyond your imagination. It's beyond any movie that you've ever seen that was intended to scare you. This was real life. And I was there at Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum in, in Israel. And it was a surreal experience for me because I was there from a, with a friend from my hometown and uh, he was emotional. He couldn't even speak. Uh, ended up just big, big, strong man, just, just weeping. And I would look at some of the exhibits and hear the interactive uh, words about what was happening there. And, and I would listen to who was around me and I saw a group of, of German about high school age young people over there and I heard them speaking German and they were punching the button and watching these videos. And I thought, how, how must they feel? They didn't do it. How must they feel going through this museum? Tremendously moving situation. But that was during a time when a country and a race of people hated God's people. They wanted the Jews to be utterly extinguished from the earth. Do you realize that that is one of the testimonies that God's word is true? Nations have come and gone. People have come and gone. They have been wiped out. Genocide has been accomplished. And people have been trying to kill the Jewish people and destroy them fully for millennia. And they haven't got it done. Because they're going to be there at the end. Because God said so. King Artaxerxes, your servants, the men in the region beyond the letter, uh, beyond the river, and now let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from you have come to us at Jerusalem. They are rebuilding the rebellious and evil city and are finishing the walls and repairing the foundations. Now, this isn't the temple. This is other buildings. They haven't started building the temple again yet. Now let it be known to the king that if this city, that city is rebuilt and the walls are finished, they will not pay tribute, custom, or toll. It will damage the revenue of the kings. Now because we are in the service of the palace and it's not fitting for us to see the king's dishonor, can't you just hear them? Because we're the good guys and we want to be sure and tell you what's going on because we really like you, king, and we don't want you to suffer in any way. We're reporting. There were five of us in our family growing up, five siblings. And one of the things we got in trouble for the most was tattletale, to tell on somebody else. There was a cookie jar that got broken in our house. Five of us children were blamed by each other for uh, breaking that cookie jar. I still don't know who broke it because we were all telling on each other. We just didn't want to be the one that admitted I didn't do it. So it had to be the other four. 
but we all blamed each other. We told on each other. We tattled on each other. And this guy's saying, you know, we really care about you, king. We just want you to know about these Jews and what they're doing. Hold on, look what he says. Let it be known they're not going to pay tribute. If this happens, it will hurt the king's uh, honor. He'll be dishonored. Therefore, we have sent and informed the king so that a search may be made in the record books of your fathers. And you'll discover in the record books and learn that this city is a rebellious city, damaging to kings and provinces, and that they've incited that city. They've incited revolt within it in past days. Therefore, the city was laid waste. You know, all of a sudden, they want to be history people. They want you to go back in history and read about what these Jews have done before. They were so wicked and so rebellious. They fought against our people, and even their God, they're implying, drove them out of the land and took it away from them because they were such terrible people. I want to ask you something. Why is it so easy to report the bad? It is, isn't it? There's something about human nature that can spread the bad things so, so quickly. Uh, I, I don't watch the news hardly at all anymore. I, I hear what my friends tell me that's going on sometimes, but I don't watch the news because it was just one bad thing right after another. And then I notice if you watch a certain local newscast, they'll, they'll have all the bad things, bad, 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 bad. And then the last two minutes, they put a story about a little puppy. Or they put a story about a little child or, you know, something like that's going to make up for all the other hour that they just, been. no, doesn't work that way. If you let these Jews rebuild those walls and those buildings, you're not going to get your taxes. You're going to lose part of your honor. And notice what else they said. Search in the record books and find that this has happened before. Verse 16, we inform the king that if that city's rebuilt and the wall's finished, as a result, you will have no possession in the province beyond the river. These adversaries are intent on getting the king to give authority to stop the Jews' work. Three different things. You're going to lose money. They're not going to pay taxes. You're going to lose some of your honor. Your reputation, king, as the king is going to be damaged. And then thirdly, you let them build up they'll, they'll uh, protect that land and you'll lose that part of your land. Verse 17. Then the king sent an answer to Rahim, the commander, to Shimshah, the scribe, to the rest of their colleagues who live in Samaria and in the rest of the provinces beyond the river. Peace. I thought about that as I was reading this passage again. Peace. Was that really peace? It was everything but peace. And now the document which you sent to us has been translated and read before me. A decree has been issued by me and a search has been made and it's been discovered that the city has risen up against the kings in the past. The rebellion and revolt have been penetrated in it. The mighty kings have ruled over Jerusalem, governing all the provinces before the river and that tribute, custom, and toll were paid to them. He said, it's just like you said, I found in the history books. You're exactly right. The people before have, have uh, refused to pay uh, taxes, they've taken over the land, and our kings have been dishonored. And the king goes on to say, so now issue a decree to make these men stop work that this city may not be rebuilt. I'm going to stop right there for a second. They knew where to go. They got the king to pass a law. Do you remember Daniel? 
Remember Daniel taken and exiled to a strange place? Daniel was asked to uh, take a new name, learn a new language. He was asked to, uh, to lead in uh, a, a foreign land. And Daniel did all those things. He learned the customs. He dressed like the people of the land. He, he took a new name. But when it came down to where they said, you need to eat the king's meat that has been sacrificed to idols, Daniel said, I'll wear your clothes, I'll learn your language, but I'm not going to break God's word to eat food that's defiled. You and I need to have lines drawn on the, line, uh, on the ground also. It's okay to do some things, do this, do this, but when it comes to the God's word, what we know clearly we should or shouldn't do, we need to draw a line on the ground and say this far and no further. Later on, God blessed Daniel for obeying him there. Later on, they, they came to try to harm Daniel. You remember what they did? They said, you will not find something in this young man that's wrong. And that's the way it ought to be in our neighborhood. Our neighborhood, neighbors would, should want us Christians living in the neighborhood. We ought to be the best citizens in town. You're not going to find anybody, uh, anything against Daniel unless you find it against the law of his God. They said, tell you what, make a law that you can't pray to anyone except you, O king, for 30 days. And they'll tra trick Daniel because they know Daniel will pray to God. You know what happened, thrown in a lion's den. Appears like the bad guys win, right? Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, it appears like the bad guys win, right? Well, this letter is sent to the king, and he said, I make a decree. He makes a law. You tell those Jews to stop that work. Discouraging. It looks like God's people have been duped. They have been harmed. They have been controlled. They have been hurt. And oftentimes in our lives, too, we're going to see times when it looks like the wicked prosper. Those that don't follow God, that don't choose, they actually fight against the Lord, his word and his church and his people. It looks like everything works out for them. I remember as a, as a young guy in high school, I thought, Lord, I'm trying. I would have those conversations with God. Did you ever have those? God, I'm trying to do what's right. I messed up as much as everyone, but I, but I loved him and I loved his word and I was trying to do what was right. And it looked like the guys that didn't even care about doing what was right. It just looked like everything worked out for them. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like that? Well, this letter was so discouraging, so discrediting, that the king said, tell them to stop the work. And notice what happened. Verse 22, beware of being negligent in carrying out this matter. Why should damage increase to the detriment of the kings? He says, don't be negligent. Get it done right now. But did you notice I skipped something? I skipped a phrase at the end of verse 21. One of the things we need to keep in mind about the times that it appears like the wicked win. The bad guys win. One of the things is that God's not through yet. God is not through 
yet. Notice what it says right there. So now, verse 21, issue a decree to make these men stop. Pass a law to tell the Jews to stop, that the city may not be rebuilt. Don't rebuild the city. But what's that next phrase? Until a decree is issued by me. I want you to, uh, I want you to realize that in 444 B.C., and that is recorded in Nehemiah, the next book in your Bible, chapter 2. This same king issues another decree. We'll study it, Lord willing, as we go further. He issues another decree. Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. He comes into his presence one day and he's sad. He's sad because he's heard about what's happening back to his people, the Jews in Israel. And the king says, what are you so sad for? I've never seen you like this before. And he said, my people, my people are being hurt and, and it's a bad situation. King asked, what would you have me to do? And he said, let me go back and rebuild the buildings, the walls. Let me go back and rebuild the city of my fathers. This is the very place that he's talking about. This is the very king that it's talking about. How long are you going to be gone? The king asked and he gives him a time. And guess what the king does? The king says, go. Here's a letter I'm going to write for you that all the army is going to protect you all the way that you go back to rebuild that city. Oh, and by the way, do you need supplies? Here's a blank check. I'm going to write this check and anything you need to rebuild that city. Oh, I can't wait to get there. And it encourages me that when it looks like the wicked prosper, this guy said out of his own mouth, I'm making a law to cause these people to stop unless I make another law. Can God change the heart of a king? The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and like rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. He can change the heart of a king anytime. I pray for our president, whoever our president is all the time. Lord, would you cause those leaders in our country to choose what is right, cause them to seek wisdom. Would you do in them, even if they don't know it, the right things that might bless this country? Because this king, there's a law, stop those Jews from building and it will not change unless I make another law. God can make him make another law. And I love it. Verse 23. Then as soon as the copy of King Artaxerxes' document was read before Rahum and Shimshai, the scribe and their colleagues, they went in haste to Jerusalem to the Jews. I'll bet they did. They couldn't wait to get there and stopped them by force of arms. They got violent. If you were a Jew working on the walls, working on those buildings that day, it would appear like the enemy won. You know how long they were stopped? 15 years. You think those Jews cried out to God? God, are you hearing our prayers? Where are you, God? I wonder what people felt like in the 1940s when a man named Hitler was allowed to have a certain amount of influence in a country and he rose up and his chief end was to destroy the Jewish people. First of all, I believe that a lot of people thought that was the beginning of the end of time. I think a lot of people probably thought he was the Antichrist. He was an Antichrist, but he wasn't the final one. 
He had an intent to destroy God's people. And I want to encourage all of you, go to one of those museums. There's one in Dallas. They tell me that some of our young people don't even believe that the Holocaust happened. They think it's a story. We need to pass that on to generations. It's hard to see. It's hard to hear about. Someone asked me, do you want to hear your children to hear all about the blood of that cross? And I said, yes, I want them to. I want them to hear about what Jesus did on the cross for us. So the enemy, and you know this, but the enemy will try to discredit us because they're really trying to discredit the word of God. They will try to discourage us, to get us tired and weary in the journey. I want to encourage you, those who are working in church ministry, uh, keep on keeping on. Be faithful. Don't grow weary and well-doing. It's not easy, is it? I'm looking around here and I think of all you people that have served for many years all over here and you guys here and right there. I work with her and you guys that have served so long. You got all over the building, everywhere. Don't give up. Gets tired sometimes. Gets lonely sometimes. It gets frightening sometimes. I told you my daughter's a graphic designer and I wanted him, her to make all of uh, the staff t-shirts that say, welcome to ministry on the front and a great big bullseye on the back. Because that's what it feels like sometimes. Don't get discouraged. Our God wins. And it may look like the bad guys win today. But don't let anybody discredit the word of God. Don't let them discredit the church. Don't let them discourage you. And no matter what they try to do, even by violence or force, they can't stop Jesus. I want you to turn with me uh, for the last thing I'd love for you to look at. And it's in the book of Psalms, the 73rd chapter. There's a lot of times when I've struggled personally in my life thinking, God, why did you let that happen? I wonder about these people. God, we've been working on this. We're doing your will. And you let some bad guys stop us for 15 years. Why would he do that? How many of you in your Christian life have realize that it's just a whole lot better for God to run things than for us to run things. Have you, have you noticed that? There's so many times when I wanted something done at this time. Surely it's God's will. I've been working so hard. I've prayed so much about this. Surely this is what God wants, and it's not time. It's not his will. It's something else. And I've got to say like Jesus in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. What about when it appears like the good guys lose. David felt that. I want to read a few verses out of Psalm 73, and thank you for putting that up on the screen so they can see. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. I love how honest David is. Because I want to tell you, standing before you here today, my feet have almost slipped before too. I've gotten tired. I've thought, Lord, these are the church people. And, and did you know that church people have problems? Did you know that? <laughs> did you know that sheep bite? Sheep bite. 
shepherding is messy work, but it's the greatest work there is. David said, I almost stumbled. My feet had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pains in their death. He's describing, looking around, the people that don't follow God, they don't follow his word. They have no regard for right and wrong, and it looks like everything works out for them. I remember as a teenager, you know, when you're about 15, 16, you want a girlfriend and a car. And you think if you have both those things, it's kind of like that prayer. Lord, if you give me a puppy, I'll never ask for anything else. How, how long does that puppy uh, uh, satisfy your, your prayer life? You know, I'll water it and I'll, I'll clean up after it and I'll bathe it and I'll do all of this. We got a new puppy at our house, so... Uh, no, it's a year and a half old. She's already got some training, but wonderful, wonderful dog. But how many of you prayed that prayer? If I just had that, I remember thinking, if I just had a car, if I just had a car, if I just had a girlfriend like my buddies over here. And it's sad. It hurts when you see people that they don't go to church. They don't have any regard for the Lord. And it just like, looks like everything works out for them. They just don't have the struggles that others have. That's what David's thinking of. For there are no pains in their death. Their body's fat. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imagination of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades through the earth. Boy, he's really describing these people, isn't it? They are the cream of the crop. Everything's going good for them. They, they're proud. And that's what our society is teaching everybody to be proud here today. That doesn't mean to not be grateful for your children when they do what's right or your friends when they do something good. You support them. Pride is to say, I elevate myself. And it's not God that does it. I do it. I'm a self-made person. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit goes before a fall. So David is describing, Lord, I almost slipped. I almost fell because I saw all these bad guys. And all that happened to them was they won. Verse 10, therefore his people return to this place and waters of abundance are drunk by them. They say, how does God know? And is there knowledge with the most high? Did you see Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan's son, not long ago on the news? He came out heading up uh, the Society of Atheists in America and talking about how, mocking and talking about how there was no God and he definitely didn't believe in Jesus Christ. I believe his daddy did. I believe his daddy did. They say, how does God know? There is their knowledge with the Most High. Behold, these are the wicked and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. Surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure. I've washed my hands in innocence for I've been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. David's saying, I'm tired. They have not even cared about obeying God and I've tried to and it's never worked out for me the way I thought it would. You ever been like that? If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. 
I love the honesty of this psalmist, David. But I want to tell you, the next few verses have helped me for decades in my life. Because when I looked around and said, yep, they've got the girlfriends and they've got the, the rewards and they've got the accolades and they've got these things that worked out, and I remembered these words. David said, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. When I came to church, when I got close to God's people, when I got with the word of God, until I came to the sanctuary of God, then I perceived, I saw their what? Their end. And that's one of the most important things about this passage. It may appear like the bad guys win for a little while, but wait to see how it ends up. David says, Surely you cast them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How are they destroyed in a moment? They're utterly swept away by sudden terrors, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. And he goes on to describe, the wicked will not win. It may appear like they do. And it may, for 15 years, the work stop in Jerusalem. But be, be for sure, you wait to see how it all ends up. Those verses have challenged me and they've encouraged me for many years of my life. When I've seen things not turn out when I thought they should. And God reminds me, just wait. Just wait. Just wait. There's going to be a time, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that the world's going to be saying, it's peaceful. God's not coming. Peter writes that. He's not coming back. He said he's coming back. Everything's the way it was from the beginning. And the Bible says there's going to be a moment in time when there's a sound of a trumpet. Sound of a trumpet. I heard the story of a youth pastor recently. He was outside the room and all of his buddies took clothes and laid them in the chairs in the room. And then when he went back in the room by himself, they blew a trumpet. He thought the rapture had happened. He was the only one left. That's the way youth pastors, they, they need some of that every now and then. But there's going to be a time when there's going to be a trumpet sound. There's going to be a voice of the archangel. He's not going to need a microphone like I'm speaking on tonight because the whole world's going to be able to hear him. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God's going to come back for his church. Jesus is going to rapture us to be with him. It's going to happen in a moment's time. You say, how would that ever happen like that? There was a generation just like this before who made fun of a man named Noah who was building a boat on dry land and it had never rained before. How much do you think they were making fun of him, discrediting him, discouraging him until it started raining? And they cried, oh no, it's true. So I just want to encourage you. I know a lot of things are changing in our country. You be faithful. I am, I, you are my brothers and sisters. You keep on keeping on. You fight the good fight of faith. Don't get discouraged. Don't get tired. We need to hold each other's arms up if you're tired. 
Get in God's word, get in prayer, and you just realize it's not over till God says it's over. And he can change anything at any time and make a blessing out of it. And the next time you look around and it looks like the bad guys are winning, you just remember, one day with Jesus can make all the difference in the world. We've got a good God. It may appear like the wicked win. But David says, consider their end. Let's wait and see how it all ends up. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this book of Ezra and how faithful you are to your people. They don't deserve it. They've done nothing. They're not reviving. They're not obeying you. But God, for your name's sake, you've kept your word to them. You've brought them back. You're going to restore them. But you'll do it in your time. I pray, Lord, for any of us here tonight, maybe someone's not saved, that they might be saved, pulled out of the domain of darkness and enter into the light tonight of the light of Jesus. Maybe there's some here tonight that are Christians and they know they're born again, but right now they're struggling with family issues or financial issues, problems in, in their job or their health or whatever it may be. Friends have forsaken them. Lord, I pray that you would just encourage them to know it's not over. It may appear one way right now, but it's not over. Be faithful. Continue with the Lord. And Father, I pray for our country. We're about to celebrate uh, the Independence Day in our land that we get together with family and friends. And we sing those old songs and we eat good food together. And we just thank you for a land where... Your Bible was free to be read. and People were free to worship according to the dictates of their own conscience. All the good things about America, Lord, are because of you. Forgive us where we failed you. Bless America again. Turn us back to you, Lord. And when we turn on the news and it seems like we just see one bad thing after another, help us to remember you're not through yet. You can make something good out of anything. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.